Can you uh, see me if I just stand right here? Good. I don't want to make it any, you know, difficult in any way. Uh, this morning we're going to look at Matthew chapter 28. So please take your, your Bible and open it to the Gospel of Matthew, the 28th chapter. And we're going to, uh, to read verses uh, 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The thing that has stuck with me as uh, I've reflected on what Jesus said to his disciples is that they were unfinished. I mean, I'm unfinished. I'll bet you realize you're unfinished too. We're, we're never going to be finished as disciples. We're not going to be able to say, I got that. And yet it's to these unfinished disciples that Jesus says, go. He says, make disciples. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them all that I commanded you. That's pretty striking. They went up to this little area of which they were called from, Galilee. They weren't in Jerusalem anymore. Uh, Jesus said, meet me there. And when he met them, they worshipped him because in the meantime, he had been crucified and raised from the dead and had appeared to some of them at that point. And now they met him in Galilee, and it's there that he says to them, even as some doubt, now, I wish I knew exactly what that meant. But he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And that, of course, sets the stage for what he's going to say to them. He says, go, make disciples. And in effect, he is telling his disciples you are now disciple-makers. You are now disciple-makers. And when you, if you will, make a disciple, I want you to baptize that disciple. And baptism is the beginning 
of discipleship, not the end. Sometimes we get those confused. We think baptism is the finish line, and it's not. Jesus says, baptize them, and then he says, teach them all that I've commanded. What we see in what Jesus is saying to them is you need to see yourself as a disciple maker. You need to see yourself as someone who is now going to call others to follow me, even as I called you to follow me. Let's look at a couple of the things that Jesus emphasized because I want this to be in even clearer perspective because he says go, he says make disciples of all nations or of all peoples. The word translated nations is the word commonly translated Gentiles. Why would Jesus emphasize that? Well, back in Matthew chapter 10, he told them that they were not to go outside of the house of Israel, that the focus of his ministry was Israel. But now he's saying there's no limit. There's no restriction. There's no kind of person that is outside the scope of disciple-making. There's no one who is exempt. And that is very important because even from Galilee, which is where the disciples, most of the disciples were called, and where now they were listening to Jesus, um, they knew a strictness about separating themselves from other people, from impurities, from people who were Gentiles. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Well, this is by virtue of what he did on the cross. It's also by virtue of the resurrection. And he says, the whole world is within the scope of what has been accomplished in my ministry, in my death, and my resurrection. And there is no one that is not a potential disciple. No one you meet. No one you come in contact with. No one that you set eyes on is beyond the scope of my work and my ministry. I want you to be disciple makers and to see every person as a potential follower of me, just as you are a follower. Unfinished. <laughs> still full of doubts. Still incomplete. And that's because he calls them to do this in his authority, not their authority. They baptize, which is a benchmark. It confirms in that person's uh, experience in life that they are fully identified with Jesus Christ. Jesus says, in the name of the Father, 
the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Again, this shows that unlimited focus of discipling, of disciple-making, because whereas they, in their upbringing, in their synagogue education, were familiar with God, the Creator, and the work of God, the Spirit. Now Jesus in his resurrection stands with the work of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this message is going beyond Galilee, beyond Judea. And it implies that those we are bringing to Jesus Christ, showing Jesus Christ, calling to serve and live for Him, are the work not just of Jesus, but of the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. This is a, a great authority as well. But in baptism, there is complete identification with the Jesus in his death and resurrection. And it's a reminder that when we are disciple-making, we're leading people to a total and complete immersion. There is a play on words there. Immersion in Jesus Christ. One that involves the death of the old life, the death of the old person, and being raised to newness of life. Turn with me to Romans, just for a moment. Romans chapter 6. Here Paul appeals to the readers in Rome, the church, that's gathered there in Rome. It, it's a letter. It's correspondence to people who are following Jesus Christ, disciples of Jesus Christ, disciple makers <laughs> in Rome. And he writes a letter. It is an introduction to them of his own ministry because he sees himself coming to Rome and going even beyond Rome. And he wants them to be acquainted with him in his ministry and to support him in, in what God has called him to do. But in that letter, in describing his ministry, he says uh, in verse 1, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Well, sin isn't just a part of us. That is us. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, uh, impotent. We're not strong. We're frail. We're feeble. We're broken. We're battered. We need God. We need Jesus Christ. We need the work of His Spirit. And that is all ours in Jesus Christ. But when, it's, when Paul says we've died to sin, he's... He's emphasizing that we are sinners. And 
we have died in Jesus Christ. This he goes on to establish in their thinking by appealing to baptism, their baptism. He assumes that they have been baptized. Now look at the way he describes baptism. He says, do you not know? Well, first he says, how can we, this is the end of verse 2, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Well, we can't. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So, you too must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Well, sin has no power over us because of what Christ has accomplished for us. And this opens to us the life that we're to be living. And yet, so often in our work, in our unfinished discipleship, we become very aware of our sins, and that becomes our battleground, and we become stuck in what we aren't, and what the past is, and what the negatives are, and what we can't do, or what we're in, you know, unworthy to do. And that is the stronghold of the old person upon our lives, of our sinful nature. And Paul is saying, in baptism, we have become all new in Jesus Christ. Now, some of you might think of that as kind of a legal fiction, but it is a reality that is ours in Jesus Christ. We are new people. And it becomes so vital for us if we're to be not only disciples living in the breath of the Spirit of God in our daily lives, but if we're to be disciple-makers, we need to be open to the newness of life that is ours so that we can breathe, the, if, as it were, and experience the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. 
Where do the words dismal, dour, disappointed, discouraged, disenchanted, you know, defeated, those words are not there. And yet, in this world, so often we live more as defeated than as resurrected people. This is why Paul, again and again in his letters, talks about putting off the old and putting on the new. It really is a step of faith. It is an exercise of faith, isn't it? It's an adjustment to, so to speak, recall who we are. And it's to just such disciples as us, just as to his own disciples who met him in Galilee, who doubted that he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. That's the, that's the, that's the power. That's the energy. It means take the initiative. Don't wait. Don't wait for the Gentiles. Don't wait for the people groups to come to you. You're going to meet them along the way. Take the initiative. But most importantly, when you, when you see this word make disciples, it's interesting because in the transitive sense, it means to disciple someone. To disciple someone. Uh, in the intransitive sense, it means to be a disciple. I think Jesus is emphasizing here, yes, be a disciple, make a disciple, but to have a, a sense of who you are. You're a disciple maker. And there are earmarks of a disciple marker. You want to bring a person to that place where they acknowledge Jesus Christ as you have in baptism. And then you have to continue in this work of discipling by teaching them all that I've commanded you. Now, in the Gospel of Matthew, of course, we, if we read from the beginning to the end, from left to right, one of the first things that we encounter is his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount and his parables, his parables of the kingdom of God. And those embody the very teaching of Jesus, a teaching that should continue to, to inspire and challenge, ignite our spirits, if you will, because in his teaching we see the transcendent beauty of what God wants to do on earth as it is in heaven. And we live that out daily through faith, through the power of the Spirit. And it, it calls us to embody, because we can't disciple others if we're not disciples ourselves. So it calls us to embody that and to 
teach that. Now, don't think of a classroom when you think of a teacher. Uh, that doesn't mean you couldn't do it in a classroom. I think we just have to break the mold when it comes to teaching. This passage has been on my heart that we're looking at in Matthew 28. Of course, it echoes uh, when we were in Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. When the Spirit comes upon you, you shall have power to be my witnesses here, there, and everywhere to the ends of the earth. There's, there's no limit. And it's been on my heart. And so I've started discipling a couple of guys at 5 a.m. on Wednesday morning. 5 a.m. This is crazy. I am not a 5 a.m. person. I'm not. And I have to set two alarms. This last week, Shelly was out of town. She was with her parents. And I set both alarms. And then I set my mental alarm. Do you have, do you have a mental alarm? I, I set that too. And it went off before the other alarms went off. But because I was kind of fearful that I hadn't set them right, I let them go off anyway because I wanted to make sure they were working. Why do I do this at five? Because that's when these guys can meet. It, that's, that's my interpretation of go. I'm discipling when I'm talking to you on Sundays. I'm discipling when I'm working with the pastoral staff or the elders or the deacons or when I go and I visit someone in the hospital. The point is that you're discipling already. But some of us, like, like me, we have to be reminded. We're not finished yet. We're not complete. We don't have it all down. We have to grow. We have to continue, you know, to follow Jesus He's continuing to stretch our faith and challenge us and encourage us to trust in him and step outside our comfort zone in ways that we have yet to do in our families. We are disciplers. We're to be disciple makers. God forbid that we aren't disciple making in our own households with our spouse, our children, or Come on, your parents. Some of you are disciple makers with your parents at work. Yeah, some of them are the thorniest, most difficult people, are they not? And yet that is, that's, that's just like the Gentiles to these Galilean Jews. Those who wouldn't get out of the boat the interesting thing, when uh, in 2010 I went to the Holy Land, as we call it, I loved the Galilee. I had no idea it was that small. <laughs> I mean, I'd read it. I'd seen pictures of parts of it. But when you stand where Jesus probably gave the Sermon on the Mount, you can look out and you can see the entire Sea of Galilee. It's kind of uh, about the size of Lake Tahoe maybe smaller than Lake Tahoe. Shelley's giving me the assurance which I need. But you could, you could look out and you could see Tiberius, 
which was all the kind of, you know, Herod's people, Herod's culture. And you could look over at Hippos, which was part of the 10 cities, uh, and they were totally pagan, totally Greco-Roman. And it's uh, near there that Jesus got out of the boat to minister to the, the man who was possessed, and the disciples wouldn't get out of the boat with him because it was in that area that was pagan. You could look over there and you could see uh, Gamla, which was, those were the really, I mean, they were the radical opposed to the Romans, totally revolutionary in their outlook. And then you could look over there to Capernaum, Chorazin, and it was them that Jesus said, if you'd repent, if you'd repent, amazing things would begin to happen. That's where there were the most devoted Jews, but they were keeping to themselves. Or kind of, I guess you will, if you will, trying to be finished instead of trying to live out the kingdom of God. Jesus says, I will be with you. Not just here and there. I will be with you even when you don't know it. I'm going to be with you when you don't think I'm with you. I'm going to be with you when you think I'm a long way away. I'm going to be with you when you're not trusting me. And I believe God in Jesus Christ is doing things in us through the work of his spirit that we're not even aware of. He says, be disciple makers. Go, be disciple makers. Baptize those that you call to follow me, that you're willing to lead because now you're going to do the leading. You're not just going to baptize them and walk away and say, you know, kind of counting heads. This is about close quarter relationship building. Reproducing yourself, as Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Teaching to others all that I have taught you, that they in turn may teach others. There's four generations in view in just 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. In the next few weeks, we'll talk more about disciple-making. But I want you to be thinking, praying about being a disciple-maker. What happened in your baptism? And are we, as his disciples, intentional and deliberate about disciple-making? Maybe like me, you'll ask someone, hey, meet with me. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about living for him. Let's talk about living out the Christian life in our daily doings here and there and everywhere.
I'll tell you, you're the one who will grow. You're the one who will realize, wow, I need to depend on this Holy Spirit. I need him to give me the strength, the power, the outlook, the life that I want to model as I want to inspire and challenge and be Christ-like to those that I'm discipling, that I'm leading toward Jesus. Look around you in your, in your own family circle. It may begin by just making some adjustments in, in your outlook, in your disposition, in the things that come out of your mouth, in the things that you're willing to do as Jesus gets a hold of you in your own situation. And realize we're not alone in this. Jesus is in this with us, but also there are others that he brings into the lives of those people. Many have, as Paul talks about in the opening chapter of 1 Corinthians 3, when he talks about some planting, some watering. There are things that go on around you that because of your faith and willingness to be a disciple maker, Jesus calls to come alongside of what he's already doing and what others are already doing. Let's renew, let's refresh, let's be rejuvenated in our desire to be faithful disciples, but not just disciples, but disciple makers. It is interesting that in verse uh, 16 and 17, it says that they worshipped him in verse 17 and they doubted. And when I think of the disciples, I think they're just like me. They're just like me and they're just like you. I, they really gum things up a lot of the time. A lot of the time... Jesus said, you don't believe. He had to tell them things that he'd already taught them, just like you and me. Uh, he had to uh, remind them of his faithfulness, and they were continually and ever surprised at who Jesus was and what he could do. It was, it was like they just kept doubting that he was who he said he was and what he could do. And even with their religious background, they asked him, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. We don't know how to pray. Or we want to pray the way you pray. We want to do it your way. And yet, on the night he was betrayed, he said, stay here, keep watch, pray, and they fell asleep. And it really wasn't that much later that they met him in Galilee. And he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. For this reason, because of this, I'm now authorizing you. I'm now calling you 
to do what I've done with you. I want you to make disciples. And their discipleship will be marked by their complete identification with me. In the name of my Father, in my name, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them. Yeah, it could take place in a, in a classroom. It could take place at a Starbucks. It can take place in your living room. But you're going to teach them not only in word, but in example. You're going to model. And you can do it. You're ready. You don't think you're ready. You don't. You don't think you're capable, but you are. Because I'm with you. I will be with you. Not intermittently, but always to the end of the age. So, let's just take a moment and reflect. I'd like to give you a little time to, to talk to the Lord. Talk about where you're at. Talk to Him about your reservations, your fears, your your inferiority or your inability or your whatever it is. Talk to him about some people in your life. Talk to him about being a disciple maker. Translate that into your own heart. It may start very small. It may start by some adjustments in, in your thinking. It may start with some adjustments in your behavior. It may start with a, a need to recommit your life, to go back to your own baptism and realize what you said, where your heart was at. It may start with just following him in a fresh and rejuvenated and committed way. Just take a couple minutes. Don't go to sleep. Be watchful and pray. And then I'll close in just a, a minute or two. Heavenly Father, we want to be made. We want to be disciple makers. We want to be visible, identifiable, Christ-like followers of you. We are so deeply grateful for who we are today because of you. How can we even inventory the difference that you have cumulatively made over the days, months, years we've walked with you? We pray that uh, your desires would fill our hearts and compel us, capture our imagination, 
remind us, refresh us, encourage us to realize who we are in you. And also, Lord, that you have given us this uh, profound and life-changing role in your work in this world. Help us to be more intentional and deliberate and help us to do so in your power. Grow us, stretch us. It is a desire of our heart to live and serve, live for and serve you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, God bless you.